Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, episode 15 of Swimming Upstream, a Marlins Myers podcast. Guys, we are there. We're through camp, through spring training, and we're ready to embark on a full Major League Baseball season, the 28th season of Marlins baseball at the newly named Lone Depot Park. To recap the offseason, most recent happenings surrounding the club during spring training, and one final sneak peek, maybe some projections here for the season we have with us arguably the un, not so arguably I should say undisputed goat of the Marlins Twitter by the Marlins beat including on Twitter on the Miami Herald his podcast swings and misses he does work on the gambling side of sports and then of course he's an MLB network contributor it's a guy if there's Marlins news being broken guys this guy's more often than not the guy doing it and when you have as much talent as this man you wear a lot of hats like I said does a lot of stuff so I wanted to bring him on to get this final look here before we get into this 162 game season. So joining me today, it's my pleasure to have him on, Craig Mish. Craig, thanks so much again for coming on. I know you've been busy with a lot of different stuff. Uh, thanks for joining me on the show today. I think it's going to be informative. I think it's going to be fun. So thank you again. And how are we doing? My pleasure, Alex. My pleasure. Awesome. Hold on, it's Alex. Hold on a second. Let me. Let me. Uh, can you? I'm. I got. I got a food delivery. Cool. So. Guests on this show, I normally ask them to do a brief bio of themselves, but judging by how much you do in the baseball community, including the Marlins community, and how, as I just mentioned to you off the air, you're destroying the competition in my Marlins March Madness event that I am currently doing on Twitter. I think everybody knows who you are. Everybody knows what you do. Everybody knows your projects. So in this, no one should be voting for me, by the way, that somebody (laughs) do not vote for me, vote for someone else, whoever I'm going up against, vote for them. It's not deserved. I'm just serving the community and, and doing my job. It is, I would much rather see somebody else win this competition. I'm, I am openly advocating somebody else winning this competition. I just want to make that perfectly clear. I'm honored to be in it and I'm honored to get as many votes as I'm getting, but I just want to be really clear on this. Whoever goes against Craig Mish, vote for that person, please. There you go, guys. Don't vote for him. He doesn't want your vote. Vote for somebody else. Did, anyway. did I mention that I like cats? I used to have a cat. If you if you really like dogs and you hate cats, why would you vote for me? Exactly. There you go. He's arguing against himself, ladies and gentlemen. Doesn't want to win. Don't vote for Craig. Anyways, everybody knows Craig, how awesome he is. So uh, I'm going to skip the bio here and I'm just going to break right into it. And Craig, the first one I have for you, it's basically on baseball as a whole rather than just the Marlins. Um, we know, uh, you told us today, you just got your second COVID vaccination. So congrats on that. Um, of course. Uh, so the first thing I wanted to ask is basically on that, uh, you know, we see Manfred in the league, encouraging all players and staff to get the shots when they're eligible. He's got fans coming back to the park and other parks, including Lone Depot and other parks around major league baseball. You've got 162 games that are hoping to be played full slate of minor league games, even though it's starting late. Still some elements of COVID around with the protocols, ATS, you got minor league starting late, as I said, but how much is this feeling more like an actual major league baseball season compared to what we went through last year? Well, it's still to be determined. And, and I guess we're going to know opening day today, tomorrow, whenever you, you have this podcast drop, but spring training did not feel like a real spring training. I can tell you that it was, it was one of the more, I, I would say difficult spring trainings of, of my of my life, and I've been going to spring training in Florida since I was seven, and now I'm 47. So I could tell you that this was my least favorite of all. I'm happy they got it in. 
that I want to make sure that I say, because I think it was super important for spring training to go off without a hitch. But as somebody that prides themselves on building relationships and being in front of people and having conversations. And, and I think that you, you know, you know me from speaking to me in person and, and just texting and stuff, but most importantly, you know me from speaking to me in person. And so let's just kind of start with that. That's not happening right now in 2021 in the regular season of Major League Baseball. So I don't think that this is going to be completely normal yet. I think it'll be closer to what is normal. But the idea of of every game after the game, Zooming and not being in the clubhouse again is is not something that I'm looking forward to. But I understand it and, and I get it. And I'm, and I'm thrilled that fans are going to be able to go to games. But... I'm a percentage guy. So what percentage do I think that this will be a normal April of 2021? My guess would be 50% normal. That's what it kind of feels like going in Alex to this year. Yeah. And I mean, you talk to other guys around the the Marlins beat uh, and you kind of get that same vibe that, you know, as glad as we are and as glad as they are, I should say that, you know, the zoom thing is there and that we're able to still, you know, talk to the players and of course, Donnie and, you know, Kim and everybody else that we've gotten to talk to that element of you're not in front of them, speaking to them face to face. You're not going into a clubhouse after a game or, or, you know, before a game, uh, you're not you know, able to be on the field or in the dugouts. Donnie used to have his presser in the dugout at Marlins park. So the element that of that being gone, as Craig said, you know, being in person, getting to see these guys face to face, Definitely agree. Um, huge. Hopefully that comes back sooner rather than later. But in terms of fans, as Craig said, being allowed back, awesome. Um, still glad that we're able to talk to these guys. But yeah, uh, still not normal for sure. But we're taking a step, right? All right. Next one I want to get to. Uh, same kind of subject, more like baseball as a whole. And then we'll get to Marlon's questions. Um, I want to ask you about these uh, rule changes that are coming in minor league baseball. I'll just roll through them really quick. They got bigger bases. You can not step off of the infield dirt as one of the four infielders before a pitch. Uh, and then you can't step off of the pitching rubber to attempt a pickoff. You're limited to two pickoffs per AB. The 15 second pitch clock is back. And then you have robot umpires that of course being tried out here in the low a Southeast is what they're calling it where the Jupiter hammerheads play. So right. Craig, which ones of these are you most intrigued by and which ones do you think have the biggest probability again, going back to Craig's, probabilities entertainment purposes only by the way to stick or to stick around and uh, be uh, adopted by MLB yeah I, I think that that anything that would prevent pitchers from going off the mound throwing to first base over and over again to keep guys on base and and I understand that there are really good base dealers in the league but you know Alex uh, stolen bases are, are just way down every year and that was a fun part of the game that's gone and, and I think that that's action in the game. And I think that major league baseball wants action. So that's definitely something that I'm in favor of. I don't want the pitcher throwing over at the, at the guy on first eight times. Like I get it once or twice. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. But that to me is the deal. The, the robot umpires thing. Like, I don't know. I mean, I go back and forth on that a lot. Uh, there is a human element to the game. That's really important. And, and I understand that that umps are going to miss calls but, you know, to, to me, I, I still am okay with, with having real umpires there. Um, you know, maybe it can be reinforced with a missed call with, with some sort of artificial intelligence or digital or whatever they call it. But 
Um, you know, I, I want to bring action back to the game. And when I grew up in the eighties, you know, the Cardinals won the world series. They had Vince Coleman and Willie McGee and Tommy Herr. And those names are probably people that don't recognize, but I'm not saying every team needs to be that. And that's not going to make money with three guys that I just mentioned hitting two home runs a piece, but they get to first, they steal second, they try to steal third. And then the next guy on, he's trying to steal second. I mean, that's fun. I mean, that's fun to watch and home runs are better. I get it. But I, I think the loss of running is, has really been a big thing that they're going to try and bring back. Yeah. Uh, definitely agree there. You want more action in the game for sure. I mean, you get it from a strategic positioning. Um, you know, you see these shifts where basically you have a fourth outfielder, you know, playing in the outfield and, you know, as, as strategic as that is, and as much as it kind of works that one for me, where you have to stay on the infield. I mean, I, I think that one's going to bring more offense to baseball for sure, because I mean, you know, you get these pure pull hitters and, you know, that's where they're going to go. And, you know, managers know that you got scouting reports and everything out. That's where they're going to go. So to have each guy have to start on the infield, you're going to have harder hit balls at infielders. I think it's going to create more offense. So that one for me kind of stood out. Uh, Craig mentioned the base running as well. So uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting in minor league baseball this year to see what, what they do with what, I guess, in terms of those rules. Um, quick follow-up. I don't want to spend too long here. It's already been dragged out um, a bit. Um, not only on Marlins media, but of course elsewhere is on a DH. Um, just wanted to mention it really quick. You see Zach Allen, who is a guy that basically was going to have a really good year, arguably a Cy Young candidate for me. Um, he goes down with injury batting and he's going to miss a bunch of time. Um, you know, you have this whole thing, Craig, with the CBA it's coming up and just the fact that the league is using this as their biggest bargaining chip rather than promoting player safety. I asked Donnie about it the other day uh, during the media call, and he was in total agreement that it should be about safety. As much as they're taking COVID seriously, they should take the fact that these guys haven't hit for two years just as serious. That's my opinion. Just wanted to get your stance on it. And when will we have the DH? Yeah, we'll have it in 2022. They'll bargain that in the agreement. I, I, I don't want to say that I'm on the owner's side here necessarily, but I do think that there's got to be there. The, the owners have to get something in return for adding the DH. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know why people don't see this. I, I it, it makes it a better game. The owners want it. Yes. The owners want it in major league baseball, major league baseball wants it, but Alex, you, you just simply can't hand. It's not good business to hand over $15 million extra to a player next year without getting anything back in return. So, I mean, that's probably a high number, but let's just use eight to 10 million, 15 teams. You do the math. Those are all added salaries for players that wouldn't have earned that the year before. Nobody wants to hear it, but it's true. So what is, what is the give and take there right now? I guess the players didn't like what the give and take was, but there's got to be a trade-off, Alex. It, it can't just be as simple as, oh yeah, give the DH. Okay, so let, let's say the DH is there. You want to use Miami as an example? Let's go ahead. So Jesus Aguilar plays first base. He bats 300. His, his uh, OBP is 32. He hits 18 home runs. He drives in 70. He's the first baseman. Okay. What 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 are Garrett Cooper's number without numbers without the DH this year? Does Garrett Cooper without the DH th this year hit 20 home runs? I don't think so. I don't know that he's going to get enough playing time to do that. Now let's say there is the DH. Garrett Cooper is designated hitter. He hits 290. He hits 32 home runs. He drives in 96 runs. His on base is 36%. And then guess what happens, Alex, next year? He goes to arbitration. <laughs> and, and he's going to do very well. 
So they don't seem to have any give and take with this. And, and there just has to be some in order for that to happen. I don't know what the answer is, but I kind of get it. I kind I kind of understand it. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. There are two sides to it. Um, there's the player side where, you know, you're just looking out for the players and saying, you know, Hey, safety's paramount. That, that should be the number one thing. I do agree with that. Um, and, but then you have the other side where, you know, the owners, as Craig said, there's gotta be something for them too. So it, it can't just be handed there. It, it kind of, I get what Craig is saying that it has to come down to being a bargaining chip that we need to get something back for this to happen. So a good point for sure. Um, you know, it's just going to be terrible to see uh, any pitchers, either, whether it be the Marlins or another team go down because of this. Um, but I guess it's part of the game. All right. So uh, get to Marlins questions. I have a few. Um, first one, um, it's just on uh, basically how the offseason went. Um, some signifiers to me here. Um, Kim Ang obviously comes in. She's the big signing. We all have heard that. Awesome. Great for her. Have loved getting to know her. I'm sure Craig agrees. Uh, she comes in, Craig. She bolsters the pen, uh, adds Duval at the end of, uh, I guess, the offseason to add the power bat. They do lose a guy in Brandon Kinsler, um, who was pinched out over what, uh, a million bucks, something like that. Yeah. Uh, signs a minor league deal with the Phillies for more guaranteed money if he makes the team. Of course, looks like he did. Um, so a little bit of good and a little bit to kind of be concerned about. Uh, my question, Craig, for you is how much did this financial situation that's hopefully going away with, you know, obviously the TV deal and the stadium deal now, um, you know, you had, you saw the Marlins losing out on some of these, um, you know, I guess higher, higher, you know, tenured or, or better named free agents, I should say, uh, like Rosario, you know, you would have liked to see them maybe go after other guys, bullpen guys, keep Kinsler, of course, I just mentioned, um, maybe Archie Bradley was another guy that I was looking at, you know, you see them lose out on these guys and they were signed for not much more money than what Miami was offering. So how much do you think this financial situation played in the offseason? Yeah, I, I think it played some, but but I think that the future will will be that this money will be used for payroll. I do believe that. But but Alex, I think that a lot of it is for, you know, potentially locking up some of these guys long term, the younger guys. I, I don't know. I don't know that they're ever going to be huge players in free agency. I, I don't see them ever having a player making three hundred million dollars again that I don't see. And I don't want to just speculate and say, well, what about 200? What about 100? I, I don't know the answers to that. But the numbers that that I believe that they'll be getting in terms of the TV and and now this this naming rights, it, it does enable you to start using that toward maybe speaking to Brian Anderson or speaking to Sandy Alcantara and seeing if you can get them signed so that you don't have to worry about those financials in a few years. And by the way, it may be too late for Brian Anderson, honestly, at this point, I think if Anderson goes into the season without a deal, I, I don't think they'll get him signed in the off season because then he'll be close enough to free agency. But like Sandy's a good example of that. They could also next year go to JJ Blade, although Scott Boris has never done this and say, you know, let's lock you up long-term before you play a single game. I know that Seattle tried that with Jared Kellenick. Uh, but as far as how it hampered the team in the off season, well, I mean, maybe what hampered the team, Alex, is that they didn't really have a GM and, and Kimming was kind of late in getting there. And, and, um, and, and the team, you know, wasn't really making any money. It was a pandemic. So I, I know those are all excuses and I can't sit here and tell you, Hey, look, next year, they're going to sign out an outfielder to a three year, $50 million deal. I don't know that they will. I don't know the answer to that, but what I know is that, they absolutely can use that money toward extensions 
And I think that's what they need to do. I think that's the first piece in this money puzzle for the Marlins is showing that they're going to keep some of their own guys. And, and I think that's probably the first step. Yeah. And, you know, I think you heard it just like me today. Um, Derek Jeter, you know, he was asked directly, um, is this going to have, uh, I think it was Steve Wine that asked him from AP. I think he asked him straight up, is this going to, you know, help sign players and bring in, are you, are you going to put money into payroll basically is what the question was. And he gave that, that, that straight, typical Derek Jeter answer um, that he's been saying ever since he got here, which is a message that I love. Um, you know, he wants to give the young guys the chance to play um, right. and plug holes as he goes, which that's great. That's awesome. But to build that sustainable success that he talked about at the beginning of the year and the beginning of last year, you got to pay these guys for them to be here. Right. So I think ultimately it has to come down to that, that, Hey, these guys need to be paid. So yeah, yeah, no, I, I think they look. There, there's, they have to make those decisions. And, and look, you know, I, I think, I, I think that that Derek Jeter, CEO, can say those things and believe those things, truly believe those things, and then we can look back objectively and say, we don't believe that the guys that you're giving a chance are going to be everyday players, and that's definitely fair. It's within the conversation. I mean, he could be super high on, say, Jesus Sanchez and say he's our starting right fielder opening day. He can be super high on J.J. Bleday and say he's going to have a great year and then start opening day next year for us and say, I think Jazz will crush it this year. Like, he can believe all those things, but doesn't mean we have to. And and, it, and they're, they're, going, they're going to have to sign players in order to get this done. I mean, if you, if you want to look at some of the lower payroll teams – and, and go to Oakland and go to Tampa Bay. I mean, they, they signed their own players and, and they signed free agents. I mean, Charlie Borden got paid by the Rays. <laughs> he made a couple, you know, a like two-year deal, like a 20 million, whatever it was. Like, it's going to have to happen. There's no denying it. Now, it doesn't mean you have to go out and sign somebody to 200 million, but I, I don't know that you can just say that we're just going to patch together whatever we need because it's not going to be enough. Yeah, totally agree. All right, uh, get to a couple on the roster now that it's looking pretty much complete as we embark on tomorrow. Um, I wanted to just ask about the rotation. Obviously, the Marlins are going to look like start with four guys. Um, six goes down at the ATS. Today, they optioned McKnighter. So it looks like your four to start the year are going to be Sandy, Pablo, Ailey, and um, Trevor Rogers. So uh, I just wanted to ask you real quick on this, Craig. Um, you know, you look at what they have starting pitching wise, and then of course, not just these guys, but other guys behind them. You got, you know, Dan Castano, who I really love, who can kind of be that swing guy, and then all the other top prospects that are coming behind them, Edward Cabrera, who hopefully gets back really soon. So I just wanted right. to ask um, about what you think in terms of the starting pitching depth on this Marlins team and how much of that will be incorporated in the big leagues do you think here in the future right well i mean look uh we could just kind of go back here edward cabrera's uh season is is somewhat in jeopardy here so i you know i i don't i know that right now nothing appears to be serious to derail him for the whole year but i could tell you that i would be very surprised if we saw almost any of him this season he just uh, unfortunately, from at least from what I've been told, hasn't made the progress that they were uh, hoping at this point on the injury front. So he would be strictly a second half of the season guy, and I don't even know, Alex, if he'll get there. But obviously they have very high hopes for him. Uh, as far as the starting pitching, 
I don't think we need to spend too much time on Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez. We know who they are. The next step for Pablo would be going, you know, 170 innings, 160 innings. I think that would be fair. Eliezer Hernandez is a great story because he was a rule five pick. And I, and I think that you saw the best that he could be last year in different spots. I think you can see that again this season, but I don't believe Eliezer is more than a five inning pitcher. They've been very hesitant to use him third time through the lineup and they've pulled him a lot before he's gotten to that point. So when he pitches, unless his pitches are very quick, gets out of innings quick. I see him out after five, six innings every game. I, I don't see him getting deep into games. Now, again, they play Pittsburgh. He's got a shutout after seven innings, of course. I mean, those things are going to happen over the course of the season, but they'll need bullpen when he goes because the numbers just don't tell you that he can have success third time through once they see the ball. Trevor Rogers, I'm supremely high on, and so is the organization. I think great things are coming for this kid. And they're very bullish on him. And so, of course, I'm going to be very bullish on him as well. And then with Sixto, he'll start, uh, I believe, the 12th or 13th of April is, is the date that it looks like at this point, where they won't need a fifth starter the first two teams through or first two weeks through. I forget exactly what it is. And then he'll make his debut. As long as, as, long as he gets his, uh, his 20 innings in, they want 20 innings of spring work, basically. So he needs to go two more times, I believe, and then he can pitch in a big league game. And if one of those is coming up today or tomorrow, whenever that is, and then another one early next week, I think the 12th, 13th is around that time is when we could see him. His innings, Alex, are limited to 150 this year, although they'd be willing to go to 175 if it included the postseason. So that's just something to keep an eye on with him. And they also do have to keep an eye on him physically too, uh, not just with his arm, but with his weight. That's that's definitely something that they're going to have to focus on, making sure that he keeps his weight where it needs to be. The minor league guys, Braxton Garrett, Dan Castano, and Nick Nider, six, seven, eight. I don't know which order they're in. Uh, you know, Alex, you could tell me. Uh, but that's basically their, their three that are next in line, and they're going to have to develop somebody to make sure that there's a fourth or a fifth because no team can only have nine starting pitchers go into a season. But that's kind of the way it looks like, and I don't even know if I can get to nine. I think I just gave you eight. Yeah, um, I think you're definitely right. Um, I think a last chance guy that was starting to get maybe closer and then fell apparently to injury again was Jordan Holloway. They do still want to try him out as a starter. Apparently he's starting in double A rather than triple A. I don't think that's going to happen. He went through Tommy John and now he suffered another injury. I think he's going to be a bullpen guy. So who's that next guy right behind Braxton, Nider and Dan Castano? Um, you know, they have a couple candidates in there. Um, I think it's really going to come down to one of those guys that's going to start in the double A rotation. It was hopefully going to be Edward, but as Craig mentioned, you know, who knows what's going to happen there. So, um, does Max, I'm not, I'm not optimistic. I mean, I'm optimistic on his long-term future, but you know, we're, we're, we're doing this at the, on the last day of March. And I think the conversation that I had was this week. And, and there was, and I don't, I don't think he's throwing or anything still. Like, I, I think that yeah. this is going to be a, a long-term deal here. I mean, I, I don't want to scare anyone, but if, if you didn't, if I didn't see him this year, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I, I think just to finalize this on terms of a ninth, I, for me, if you ask me right now, who's it going to be that they're going to, that they're going to push, it's going to be Max Meyer. Um, you hear Max Meyer talk. I saw a baseball America piece that he's really getting comfortable with his changeup and the work that he's doing so far. He said, 
verbatim that he's comfortable throwing that pitch in three and zero counts. And he adds that pitch to his fastball slider combo. He's insane. So I think he could start the season at double a and maybe get pushed up sooner than we thought, but uh, we'll see what happens. All right. So we'll move on. The last one I want to get to you with Craig uh, on the major league team. Um, you know, uh, as we just stated, we both know the crop of outfielders that the Marlins have coming in minor league system. Too many to name on the current roster. They have three guys on expiry deals. You have Corey Dickerson, Starling Marte, Adam Duvall, good veteran players, cool guys. I think Marte personally, maybe one of the most underrated players in baseball. I think he's awesome. I think he had an awesome spring. I think he's going to be really good this year, especially with that executive contract. Uh, the question for you with this new influx of cash that we just saw, of course, from the TV deal and now the stadium, do the Marlins try to bring any of those three guys back in 2022? Or do you think there's enough prospect power to do like Jeter says and, you know, build these kids up? Yeah. You know, I, I think that there's a, a chance of that, but I, I am of the opinion and it's, and it's a really tough one. I, I did my swings and misses podcast. I, I'm picking the Marlins to win 79 games, which I think is probably more than most, but still below what they believe they'll win. And, and the reason why I, I I'm doing that Alex is because I view the Marlins as a 500 team. I, I think they can be a little bit better than 500. So, okay, well then Craig, why do you have them at 79? If I'm looking at the entire season, and, and I know that Don Mattingly will never do this. And as a major league baseball player, you're not supposed to look at June on April the 1st, but I do. And, and you mentioned like sports betting. When I look at totals, I look at the totality of the season and what could possibly be. And I said this on my podcast. So if I'm looking at the totality of the season, Alex, and the Marlins are a 500 team and Derek Jeter and Bruce Sherman and Gary Denbo, Kimming, and all of them are, are talking, they're all in the room and they're looking and they see the Mets 15 games over and they see the Braves 17 games over and they see the Dodgers play. I mean, it, it could, it could happen. And what if it does, Alex, what if it does on July 31st, what is the result of that? Well, tell me that Starling Marte is going to get re-signed and they're going to keep him. You can't do it. Tell me Corey Dickerson is sticking around. You can't do that either. Can you tell me Adam Duvall is going to be on the team August 1st? Can you, can you tell me definitively John Birdie? Miguel Rojas, I, 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 you, you may think I'm crazy, but what if the team is just like an average team and says, you know what, there's no expanded playoffs. We're going to go for it in 2022. We may as well get what we can for these guys now. Let's roll. Deadline deals. A couple of those guys are moved out. Okay, fine. If that's the case, how am I getting to 82 wins? How am I getting to 83 wins? You know how it is? Am I getting there with Monte Harrison in center and Jesus Sanchez in right? No, I am not. Am I getting there with Magnera Sierra every day? No, I am not. Their replacement players, Alex, are not that great. I'm sorry to say. At least not right now. They may be better at some point, but they're not. And if that's the case, I don't see the Marlins as a 500 team if they decide to trade those guys, and I think they could. So I got them at 79 wins on the season. Yeah, similar situation at first base, by the way, with Aguilar and Cooper and then Lewin Diaz and Gerard Encarnacion, which the team is starting at first base. So um, another situation there. Um, so it's going to be interesting, as Craig said, to see what they do, um, you know, wherever they're at in the deadline, as long as they're not completely out of it, um, you know, are they going to go in for this season and try to win again, or are they going to bet for the future? We'll see. All right. So a uh, couple more for you, Craig, and uh, then we have the quick fire round. Uh, the next one I have a uh, ton of good things from prospects in camp. Uh, all after many of these guys missed basically an entire year, right? 
uh, especially when it came to in-game action. Basically, these guys, if they were at the ATS, they were getting a little time. Maybe they're doing stuff on their own, but you can't argue, and there's nothing like going up against another team, seeing another team's pitchers, and getting that kind of experience. And these minor league guys, none of them had it. So minor league camp, of course, set to start up here, I think on Friday was the uh, date from Jeff DeGroote. Uh, ATS uh, actually started today in Jacksonville. Uh, I have my names in mind on who impressed me most in camp in terms of the young guys, but I want to get your thoughts. Prospects who appeared in camp that impressed you most this year and which you're most excited to see. Sure. I'll be transparent. I, I, I was only at a handful of spring games this year. I can't sit here and tell you that normally I'm on the backfields. You've seen me there at, at those, at those spring games and inner squad games. I was not, I did not go a lot to spring training this year. I just didn't see a point. Um, you know, being there in person, I went as a fan. I took my son several times and we went to Jupiter to watch the games, but uh, it, th- th- that's a, that's a tough question because I really, I mean, I, I, I believe that Peyton Burdick is going to be a big league player, but you know, he, he, and he hit a home run in spring training too, but I can't say that he was like super impressive. Like it's, that would, that would not be fair, but based on what I believe, I believe that he could end up being good. And um and the other, you know, the other guy is Trevor Rogers, but he's in the he's on the big league team. So beyond that, um, you know, Anthony Bender is a name that was really interesting in the spring that that I that I think that has carved out at least a role on the club once they can you know sort out that bullpen. But unfortunately for me personally, one of the big blind spots that I have is at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches and in Jupiter, not being able to go and watch those games on the backfield and see those kids play, Alex. So it would be doing a disservice to talk about things that I didn't see. Yeah, totally hear you. Um, I wasn't at a ton of games either. Um, obviously there was no TV. So um, it is a little bit of a tough call. Um, you know, you got the obvious ones. You got Blade, who obviously has a pedigree and, you know, first round pick and whatever. Burdick, um, obviously we know, Craig, you've told me that he was basically wanted all over baseball um, this offseason. Marlins, of course, didn't trade him. So those two names for sure. Um, and then beyond him, of course, you got the guys that, that, that we study, but we haven't seen them play. So, you know, it's kind of tough in terms of prospect analysis right now. So when minor league season gets going, that's when we're really going to get to know where these guys are at. All right, Craig. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think the one, the one guy that in Blade, obviously, I just, I think it goes without saying Blade had a really good spring. I didn't even bring him up, but I, I, I think, I think the critical player in, in this piece, I mean, Lewin Diaz, they still have some time on him. And I know he tinkered with some things is where he was holding his hands, but boy, like they really need to, to get this Jesus Sanchez on a field somewhere playing like a full season, you know, like, I, I mean, I understand Nick Anderson is hurt and that's the way we will evaluate that deal. Trevor Richards doesn't, doesn't seem to be doing much with, with Tampa Bay, but the things I heard about say Jesus Sanchez, when they traded for him, I have not seen at all. So I'm, I'm hoping that he gets on a field. Uh, you know, I, I, I suppose it'll be Jacksonville and AAA and let this guy just stay healthy, get 400 AAA plate appearances. Don't even think about calling him up. And I'd, I'd like to take a look at him, Alex, and see what he really is. Cause he, they called him up last year. It seemed rush. He didn't look right at all when he came up. So that that's the, that's the one name that I think that they're kind of hoping for, but I just haven't seen enough yet to make a determination. Yeah, uh, he's an interesting case for sure. Um, obviously, went through the injury. We didn't see him a lot in camp. Um, I think the last report we got on him is that he wasn't doing a lot. So, I mean, hopefully, um, you know, we can get something out of him because I didn't see him in uniform. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's another tough call. Um, hopefully, you know, he can get in 
the work that he needs to get in and get back in time. Um, obviously minor league season, not starting for a while till May 4th. So um, yeah, uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, he's another piece that the Marlins were very high on and just haven't seen a lot of him. So see what happens. Uh, so yeah, uh, the final thing I want to get to Craig, uh, quick fire round, just five quick short answer questions. Sure. Uh, and then we'll wrap it up. So the first one I got for you, um, I've heard some pretty wild ones going around Twitter, just being on there as much as I am and, and, and looking at what fans think, but I want to get yours. Craig Mish's personal hottest take for the 2021 season. <laughs> hottest, hottest take for the Marlins is uh, August 1st. They trade Miguel Rojas to the Padres. Okay. Definitely Miguel Rojas, a, not a member of the Marlins at the end of the season. That's my hottest take. Wow. That would be, that would be something. I mean, this guy means so ask much. Ask me for a hot take, you know? So yeah, you know. no, it's, it's a definitely a hot one. Um, and I agree. Uh, I mean, I definitely could see it happening with, like I said, the, the middle infield talent that we have, but to lose the captain, man. I, I mean, everyone knows him. He's the most popular player. You said, give me a hot take. That's, that's my hot take. Marlins look at it. They say Miguel Rojas has one year left on his deal. And maybe we should try and cash out, sell high. It's crazy to think, but I'm just, you asked me for the hottest of hot. That's probably the hottest of hot. Gotcha. Okay, perfect. Uh, second one. Um, we talk about this a lot. You know, it's something that's kind of fun and not really Marlins related, but I know that you're a huge baseball card collector. I am, I am. as well. You know that. So I just wanted to ask, cause I don't think I've asked you before. We'll get sure. it for the listeners too. Cause I'm sure a lot of our listeners collect cards, favorite card you own and a quick why. Okay. Favorite card I you own. Can pick there, one. There's a, there's, there's a couple, uh, definitely nine. One of them is Reggie Jackson's rookie card of 1969. Uh, the last year or so, like most people, I got really back into collecting cards and grading cards. Of course you can't really do that now. They've shut down PSA for a bit. But I was chasing Reggie Jackson's rookie cards and I kept buying them raw and grading them and getting fours and fives. And I was so proud of myself that I saw a raw one online and it was cheap enough. It was probably like a hundred. And I thought, you know, this really looks like it could be a seven. If I could somehow get a seven out of this, that would be great. And I did. And I sent it in and I got a seven. So I have a seven Reggie, a six, a five and a four, something like that. And then I have a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar tall boy, 1970. And, uh, and I, and I, and I bought that on, I bought that raw for like 20 bucks, got it graded, ended up being a seven. And it's like a thousand dollar card. Everything went nuts, of course, over the last six months. Now those are not my most expensive cards. I do have a Jordan rookie. I have a LeBron Chrome rookie. I do have some higher end, very, I was, well, not very high end, but high, high, high end cards, none of the hundred thousand variety. I don't have any of those. But those are you know, the good stories. And I always I had a Reggie Jackson card as, as, as a kid and I had never got that graded. I sent that one in too and it got a five, but I don't know why I'm just a Reggie collector. I just feel like he's sort of undervalued as one of the legends, great legends of all time because of his, his, his post seasons. But I've had a ton of fun grading cards and I'm kind of sad that they raised the prices on March 1st. I, I stopped. I, I haven't sent any cards in this month for the first time in a year, so kind of sad but yep that's the long answer sorry yeah no you're good um yeah uh grading cards is is, is rough right now um psa shut down 
you got these other startup companies that are coming out CGS and stuff like that. So, I mean, maybe they'll take off a little bit. Yeah. I'm sending them everywhere and, and I'll, and I'll test them all out and, and see how their customer services and see if I like the grades, but, but in the end, you just, you, you kind of know that the most bang for your buck was PSA up until March 30th. And so the, the only thing that the only solace I have in all this is that it would, that because of my crazy uh, addiction to doing this <laughs> and because I've sent so many cards in, I, I mean, I don't know anyone that I know personally that's going to be getting more cards back than me this year because I just sent so many in. So it'll be an exciting time. Yeah, definitely. You'll have to tell us where you get back to and what the grades are. Anyways. Yeah, I, got, I actually am. I have in uh, the PSA, I have in QA2 right now. Um, so uh, I got a 35 card order back last week, 1980s. I sent in a 1980s order. I got that back. All nines, Alex, not a single 10 out of 35. Got a bad grader. Then I sent in 100. And I got a lot of 10s, like Tops Tiffany 10, like a ton. And now I'm waiting on my final one, 78 cards. It's been there nine months. And it's in the QA2. So by the time this podcast launches, I may end up knowing what my grades are. I've been just refreshing. Sadness. Very sad. Yeah. Rough. All right. Uh, last two. Uh, I Again, I'm going back to the probabilities because everybody loves your probabilities. Yes. I didn't give percentages enough here. Sorry. Yeah. So I'll get to one here. What has a higher percentage of happening for you? Two Marlins hit 30 plus home runs this year or mm. a Marlins player wins rookie of the year? Which one? Oh, Marlins player win rookie of the year. That's that's for sure. Trevor Rogers got a great shot at win rookie of the year. Yeah. yeah. I, I know Sixto's got better odds. I don't care. I'm taking Trevor Rogers. Listen, yeah. here, here, let me let me put the stamp on this. People in the Marlins organization, without a doubt, texted me more about Trevor Rogers than anyone else over the last month and a half. I mean, that tells you the story. I have to ask about the other guys not shy about telling me this guy is a star. He's going to be good. He's got a shot at rookie of the year. Will he get to 150 innings and be able to do that, Alex? I don't know. That seems like a stretch, but he is the one guy we all need to be watching out for. Yeah. And I'll just put a final stamp on Trevor before we go. Um, Trevor is a guy for me who has come so far in such a short amount of time you looked at where he was back in 2019. I, I, Craig, I talked to him personally and he told me straight up, he was like, I'm not comfortable throwing my change up. Like I have it. I just don't have the feel for it. I don't have the feel for the pitch. I love my slider. I love my fastball. I got to do work with the change up. So to see where that pitch has come from then to now is absolutely insane. He's ridiculous. He went through Tommy John. He's in the best physical shape probably of his life. You heard Mattingly really talk about that. I mean, without really giving it away, Kim kind of gave it away when she gave Jazz a second base job and saying that the the only other guy she mentioned in that radio interview was Trevor Rodgers. So, you know, you kind of knew that Trevor was going to win that job. So it's great to have him here. Um, really cool guy, kind of mild mannered uh, when it comes down to it, but super polite, good guy, wants to learn, wants to be here. Um, and just a guy that, that like Craig said, um, the Marlins think he's going to be really good and for a very good reason. So that's the guy to watch this year. You heard from Craig. All right, guys, there you have it. Awesome stuff from Craig Mish. Again, if there's Marlins news being broken, he's likely the guy doing it. You can find Craig in a variety of places. His podcast, of course, Swings and Mishes. In the Miami Herald, uh, he's partnering with Barry Jackson and, of course, that whole team to bring some great coverage. Jordan McPherson as well. Um, awesome, guys. Love their stuff. I've loved that subscription to the Miami Herald that I have. Um, really get some great stuff in there. 
He's on sportsgrid.com uh, doing his uh, sports betting stuff. And then, of course, on Twitter at Craig Mish. Uh, and by the way, don't vote for him in my Twitter poll. You heard from him first. So please don't, please don't vote for me, but I'll tell you what, anybody who, who I, you know, I should have done this on my own podcast, but anybody who shows me that they, that listens to this podcast, that subscribes to my work at the Miami Herald, anybody who does that, I will follow you back on, uh, on Twitter. How about that? Anybody that does that, I can't promise it'll be for five years, but I will follow you. I mean, people always say, why don't you follow me? It's like, I, you know, I, 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 my, my son sometimes looks at my Twitter, you know, he's eight years old and like, I don't want to see like vulgarity and stuff like that, but you, you subscribe to the Herald, show me you made a purchase, even if it's just for a week or a month. And what I'll do is I'll follow you back. Yeah. And guys, other than Craig's follow, which is of great value in its own, um, you're be getting some amazing, amazing stuff from them. Yeah, seriously. Like I shouldn't even, I shouldn't even need to say that, but you know, let's throw some incentive out there. I appreciate the Herald believing in me. So definitely, definitely That's deserve a spot for you, Craig. I want to thank you so much again for coming on, uh, you know, so much for your friendship as well. Um, you're always super cool with me. Whenever I see you, I've learned so much from you personally. Uh, your continued support for what I do is awesome. Of course, man. Of this course. Is what is Jamie listening to this while we're doing it? What's going on here? She's yeah, tweeting. she's back there somewhere. Oh, <laughs> look at that little sneaky Jamie over there. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Craig, with some love for for the lady over there. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm seeing a notification. I'm like, wait a second. What is this? This is live. We doing this live, Alex? You okie doking me here on this? No, okay. no. She has the. She has. She's always my first listener, so she gets the the pleasure of of listening first. I understand. I understand. Anyways, Craig, I'm, a big, so I'm a big fan as well. So thank thank you to Jamie as well. <laughs> and thank you so much, Craig. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate your time. Uh, congrats again on the vaccine. I can't wait to see you again at the field, and I hope the wife feels better. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Alex. And thanks uh, for all you do and keeping people informed on uh, both minor league and major league baseball. I appreciate your friendship and thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Definitely welcome anytime. All right, guys, that'll do it. Episode 15 of Swimming Upstream. We thank Craig Mish again so much for his time. Thank you for taking time to listen. We'll see you guys next time.